or as a store manager who's ever heard his clerk tell a customer, he says, no, ma'am, we haven't had any for a while, and it doesn't look like we will be getting any soon. Well, the manager heard that and was horrified. He came running over to the customer. He said, of course, we will have some soon. We will place that order and have it here by the next week. Well, the manager drew the clerk over to the side, and he says, never, 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 never say that we are out of anything. Say we've got it on order, say it's coming, say we can get it, but never say that we are out. Now, what is it that you wanted? The clerk said, rain. We do have to be careful sometimes before we open up our mouth on some of the things that we we say. But last week we looked at getting into the press, as Brother Jolly was talking about. The press is pray. Pray to God, have a relationship with God. Don't just ask God things, but have a relationship with Him, talk with Him, read. Read the Word of God. We're in a reading program here at church. You may read beyond that. Have ears to hear. Don't just have ears. Don't just hear what the Spirit says. Have ears to hear. Perceive it. Understand it. Study and meditation. Get into the Word of God. Study it. Meditate on it. Get it down into your spirit. Mull over it. Mull over it. And mull over it. Keep going over it. Mutter it to yourself, so to speak. And the last one, say or speak it. Out of your mouth should come those things that you expect. Say or speak it. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, Whatsoever things you think, no, whatsoever things you say, we need to say these things. We looked at developing our hearing. First off, we need to recognize when we have heard from God. We need to retain what God says and we need to refine. We need to refine our hearing. We need to get into hearing what He has said more and more. I need to tune that that hearing in just like when we were kids we tuned in the hearing of our parents the voice of our parents and if they said something in a busy mall we could hear them we need to tune in the presence of god that way we said don't just do stuff for god do his will how do you find out his will you got to get into the word we get to know what god wants not by memorizing what scripture says but by understanding what it means we got to get into the will of god And this is revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. If you'll turn over to Proverbs chapter 20, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5, it says this, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Now, God, when he speaks to you, uses things that you can understand. The thing that these folks could understand was a well, a deep water well. In a deep water well, you had to drop that bucket with a long rope. Once it filled up, you had to pull it up a long way. It's a, it's a, long, it's a big thing to pull a bucket of water up a long way. And one bucket's not enough for you. You've got to go get another bucket and then another bucket. The deeper the well, the harder you're going to work to get that stuff up. The Word of God says in Proverbs, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Now, counsel is the same thing as getting revelation or wisdom. You're getting counsel from God. God has put it deep on the inside of you. You right now have counsel from God. It is buried sometimes under a lot of other things, but you have counsel from God. It requires something to draw it out. When the woman came to the well and Jesus asked her for water and he said to her, If you knew who I was, you would have asked of me and I would have given you living water. She said to him, how can you have water when you have nothing to draw it out? If you're going to draw water out, and this is the example the Word of God uses in Scripture, if you're going to draw water out, you need to have the proper tools. If you don't have the proper tools for it, it's it's going to be a whole lot harder. The proper tool makes it work. It It makes it go. There, um, you know, you go to a hardware store, you can find all kinds of tools. We got one a long time ago, and I think I probably used it four times. You just don't use it very much. Fortunately, it's not a very expensive tool. It's just not one that you find all the time. So we found it, and we got it, and we put it uh, put it away. And it's one of those things that you put hooks in. You ever had to put hooks in your uh, house? Well, we had to put some hooks in to put my uh, my wife's uh, pot rack up. So we got this thing out and. Uh, if you've ever tried to screw a hook in, you either got to do it with your hand or you can get this little tool, put it on the end of your drill, and your drill will do it. You can make your drill spin these uh, hooks around just easy. It's, it's, it's all it's good for. It is good for absolutely nothing else. 
There's a little hand thing for it. You can either hand do it or you can put it on your drill and you can go with it that way. Whole lot easier when you have the right tool. God has given us tools to draw out the counsel that he has put on the inside of us. But not all of us want to do the work to get it out. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Will anyone draw it out? No. A man of, or you can say man or a woman, a man or a woman of understanding. If you do not possess, if you do not press in, if you do not go after the proper understanding, you're not going to draw it out. How many of you have ever talked with someone about Scripture and as you are talking to them about that Scripture, they talk to you about an understanding they have of that Scripture and you say, wow, where in left field did these folks come from? (laughs) Are they going to get counsel? No, they're not going to get the right kind of counsel. They've got a wrong kind of counsel because they have a wrong kind of understanding. You've got to have God's understanding that comes from His Spirit. When His Spirit gives us the understanding of the Word of God, when He enlightens us, when He puts this counsel in the inside of us, we can pull it out. But it will take some effort on our part. It doesn't just come because you want it. Put in your outline this. What has, God, what, what has been given to us must be drawn out by us. What has been given to us, God has given us counsel. God has given us wisdom. God has given us revelation. What has been given to us must be drawn out by us. Now look at some of these examples we've already looked at in the past of, of uh, drawing out. The woman with the issue of blood. When she came out, what did she do with the healing power in Jesus? She drew it out, didn't she? Other people were around touching Jesus, but her touch was the one that drew out that power to heal. The, the lame man who was brought to Jesus in the meeting and it said the power of God was present to heal all and they lowered him through the roof and he stood there in front of Jesus and Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. And they were all mad at that. Why are you saying, who is, who is this guy to forgive sins? And he says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, rise up and walk. And the man rose up and walked. Or she used to say, which is easier to do, to say his his sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? For most people, sins are forgiven is easier to say. So he did what most people thought was the harder one. But of course, Jesus knew the harder one was the forgiveness of sins. Get him to rise up and walk, this is a piece of cake. Rise up and walk. But after that, he was the only one who got healed. He was the only one who drew off of the power. The power was there to heal. Remember the scripture said the power of God was present to heal? All. It doesn't just say that in passing. It says it was there to heal all, but only one left healed. That means, once again, the power of God was present to heal and only one drew it out. He goes over to the city of Capernaum and the word of God says he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. They lacked the tools to draw out the healing power of God. All he could do there was go around in their villages teaching laid his hands on a few sick people, and that was it. But he could do no mighty work there. Blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was around. What does he do? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People try and quiet him down. What's he do? Gets louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus calls him over. He throws away his blind cloak, comes over to Jesus. What do you want? That I may receive my my sight. And he received his sight. Jarius came to Jesus. My daughter is sick. But if you come and lay hands on her, she'll be well. So Jesus says, I'll come. So he leaves and he goes on to follow Jairus. Of course, the woman with the issue of blood interrupts them. Then after they get finished with the woman with the issue of blood, people came along. What did they say? Why trouble the teacher any longer? Your daughter is dead. And Jesus immediately turns to Jairus and he says, do not fear. Didn't want any of those words to come out of his mouth. It was real important. He had the tools to draw out that power of God. And what he's saying is don't give up the tools. With your mouth, you can open up the power of God and with your mouth, you can shut it. We got to be careful of our mouth. I haven't uh, told this story, but I think of this story often. This story tells me things. Every once in a while, I just pull this story out and think of how the word of God applies to this. But Brother Hagin told us a story of Sister Gray. How many remember the story of Sister Gray? I'm sure that was not her real name, but he called her Sister Gray. Every time he told a story, it was Sister Gray. 
So we always called her Sister Gray. But in the meeting, he was, uh, this is early on in his ministry. He said he was not as bold then. And a person came into the meeting halfway through as the worship service was getting done, came over and whispers, whispered something to the pastor. Afterwards, the pastor, through a worship service ended, got up, came up to the podium and said, Sister so-and-so has just come to let us know that Sister Gray is not doing well. And the doctor says it doesn't look like she will make it through the night. We need to pray and believe that God will heal her so that she will be well. So they all got together and they prayed. Father God, we, we pray for Sister Gray. And they, they prayed and took authority over that thing. And at the end, the pastor said, who believes that she's received her healing? They all said, yes, yes, she's received her healing. And so the next day, they had the meeting going on and the same scenario happened. This one same woman came in halfway through the service as the worship service was going on, whispered something to the pastor. The service uh, had, had uh, uh, concluded the worship part and the pastor came up. And he said, Sister so-and-so has come and given us report on Sister Gray, and she made it through the night. They didn't think that she would, but she made it through the night. And the doctor said, she's made it through the hard part now. It looks like she'll make it. But her body is still terribly weak. We need to pray right now that God will do a complete work and that her body will be strong. So they all prayed together that God would do a complete work and that her body would be made strong. And Brother Hagin was sitting up on the stage and he said it heard, he heard audible words come from behind him that said, that's it. They've taken her out of my hand now. She'll be dead in three days. I tell you what, I ponder this story because it, it teaches us so much about the Word of God. He said if, I was, if it was later on in his ministry, he would have been bold enough to get up and to stop them. He didn't. He said you cannot pray for a complete work the first night and come back the second night and pray for that work to be made complete and believe that you received. You can't do it. See, too many times, folks, we are opening our mouth and opening up the power of God to work and then we open up our mouth and we close it. If you prayed to receive something from God, did you get it? If you believed you got it, you don't need to pray again. Smith Wigglesworth said, if you pray seven times for any one thing, you prayed six times in unbelief. Now, there are some things you can pray for more than once. But if you pray by faith to receive something from God, you do not need to pray again. What you need to do, what happens with a lot of people, is we ask God for something before we've activated our faith. Before we have fed our belief. We have been like the woman with the issue of blood. We could have been like the woman of the issue of blood who, when she heard about Jesus, came over to get healed. No. What did she do first? She heard about Jesus. She kept hearing about Jesus. She developed the belief on what she heard Jesus could do. Then she began to say with her mouth, I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. She touched the hem of his garment and what happened? She was healed. We're not activating our faith. We're not building up a set of beliefs. We're just copycatting. Well, so-and-so, they got hands laid on them. I'll just get hands laid on me. No, that's not it. You've got to establish a belief. You've got to have something for your faith to act on. And then you need to begin to say that with your mouth. Don't just jump into prayer. Understand, I'm going to pray this one time. One time is all I'm going to need. One time is all I'm going to need. And I am going to receive. When your body begins to tell you something different, what do you tell your body? Body, I've received. I've received. But if you don't lay the groundwork and establish that belief first, have faith in it to act, and speak it with your mouth. If you don't do that, that pattern, if you don't go after like the woman did, she heard, she meditated on it, she thought about it, she got an image of what it could happen for, for her life, and then she began to speak it out. And you know, I, I, I'll have to wait till we get to heaven on this, but you, I, I am absolutely convinced the people that were around here told her, don't believe this. Because she had already done all these other things with the doctors, spent all that she had. They knew it. If you had a friend, if you had a neighbor... And they had spent all they had on doctors. And then they came up with, oh, I just heard about Jesus. What would you say to them? Now, come on, don't get your hopes all up. This is just another, another scheme to get you some money. And you don't have much left anymore. Just, wouldn't you, can't you hear people doing that? Not you, other people. But see, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw that out. Ignorant people hear something and just try and act on it. They try and imitate it. 
But people of faith, people of understanding say, ah, I'm going to hear this. I'm going to meditate on this. I'm going to see how this will work in my life and then speak it out. And that's what we need to do. So counsel is one of those things that have been given to us, but we have to draw it out. Got to draw it out with understanding. Remember Jesus gave counsel to his disciples? Beware of the uh, leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And what did they think? It's because we took no bread. Did they get counsel out of that? No. They got stupidity out of that. Jesus was frustrated with them. Why do you think about bread? Don't you see all the things that happen with bread in this ministry? You think we care about bringing bread along? And then they understood he was talking about the teaching of the, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So then it can apply. Then it will, will help them out. What God has given us will help us, but until we apply ourselves to understanding, can't do it. We can't use it. I've got to understand it. Algebra is of no use to you until you understand it. Spanish is of no use to you until you understand it. If you just memorize a bunch of words in Spanish, you do not know the language, and it is no use to you. You can't just go up to people and start saying things. And that. Don't you like those shows they put on TV and the guy who learns a new language and they have them say the new language and they put the little caption down there and it's something completely, completely different? You know, <laughs> they'll say something funny. Do they, you just called somebody a, a dog face or something like that and they, they don't know. They think they complimented them. In Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, Isaiah verse 12 or verse 3 of chapter 12, it's on your bulletin too, on your bulletin cover. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Again, counsel is talked about as a well, a deep well down on the inside of you, and salvation is a well that you draw out of. But it says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The way that you draw from anything, whether it's from faith, from counsel, from salvation, the way that you draw is with joy. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In Philippians 1, verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of what? Joy of faith. Joy of faith. I didn't write it in my notes. I wanted to. Who's got a bulletin and can read what's the, the quote we have in there? I put that in there. It's from Keith, Brother Keith Moore. Um, anybody got a bulletin right over here? I'll read it so it gets onto the microphone. You got a bulletin with you? All right, I'll pick on the guy in the front. There it is. If you didn't read it already, joy and faith are inseparable. There is no such thing as being depressed about something and being in faith about it. There is no such thing as being depressed about something and being in faith about it. Look at this verse again, Philippians 1.25. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Faith comes with joy. The manner of which we operate in faith is a manner of joy. You're going to be glad. People that are in faith believing that something good is coming are not sad. Right? If you had the belief that something good was coming, Brother Jolly was giving that testimony. He had a belief that a bonus was coming because of what he found. Right? That brings sadness and gloom. Oh, what are we going to do when the money comes? I don't know what we're going to spend it on. I don't know if we need to spend it. What are we going to do when that money comes? Is that what they're doing? No, if you're going to get a bonus at work and they say we're going to send that a bonus and it's going to be 2% of your monthly salary, you say, glory. Yeah. <laughs> if they say we're going to give you 2% of your annual salary, you say, glory. You don't say, what am I going to do with all that money? What a problem. Oh, man. I don't know how I'm going to spend it. I don't know if I want to take all the time to spend that money. Anybody do that? No, if we are in faith believing that something good is coming, we are not depressed about it. We are joyful. In the Nehemiah 8, verse 10, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweat, or drink the sweet, 
and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How many have ever heard the Word of God talk about faith being weak and faith being strong? Well, you want to bet it has something to do with how your joy is. Have you ever had joy full? Have you ever had joy empty? Have you ever had joy half full? I wonder if there's a direct correlation between how full your joy is and how strong your faith is. Maybe you should ponder that for a little bit. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. If the joy of the Lord is your strength, if you are full of joy, then you are strong. If you are empty of joy, then you are weak. Have you ever had a day where your muscles just felt like they had nothing to do? Nothing. There's nothing there. You just felt weak and tired. And other days you have the same muscles, but they feel strong. They feel ready to take on the world. Feel like you can lift all kinds of stuff. Hmm. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says before that, do not sorrow. Don't sorrow. If you're going to get counsel from God, if you're going to get wisdom revelation from God, hear that revelation, press in for understanding and get glad because whatever God told you is going to help you. It's going to move some things out of your way. Peter, verse 8 of chapter 1. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy. Believing, you rejoice with joy. Joy is tied in with believing. Joy is tied in with faith. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is a, if you want to find out how strong your faith is, look at your joy. Look at your joy. Are you glad for the things God's doing? Are you glad for the things that God has coming for you? Are you, when you, when you read the word of God and you discover a promise from God, do you get glad about it or do you get sad? Well, I guess that'll never happen for me. Happens for other people. Won't happen for me. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with what? All joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Here's a second ingredient to tell you how strong your faith is. Joy and peace. If you are in faith on a matter, are you unsettled? Or are you settled? Put it to you in a natural. If you are in faith that the bridge ahead of you is going to hold up your car, are you settled about driving over it? If you are unsure that that bridge is going to hold you up, are you settled in driving over it? No. Now, you may drive over it, but if you drive over that bridge and you are unsettled, what's it like on the inside? Is there peace? No. No, there's, there's no peace. Peace is gone. You are looking out over the... Oh, I hope this bridge holds. Oh, it looks like it's swaying. Oh, that, <laughs> we get a little bit nervous about that. If you are in faith, the peace of God is there. And you are settled in the thing coming. Now look at it this way. Salvation. How many of you are settled on the fact that you're saved? If, the, if somebody comes along and tells you, you're not saved, you're not going to heaven. What do you say? Man, you're a fool. Of course I am. I know I, I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm saved. Because you're settled in that. There's a peace about you for salvation. There's a joy about it too, right? How many of you are joyful about what, where you're going next? Anybody sad about going to heaven? Oh, I gotta go to heaven. Things are perfect there. Things just are, are great. People are happy. Weather's always nice. House is paid for. You've got to show up at worship services every day. Is, is that sad? No, we're glad. We're looking forward. Oh, glory to God. I don't have to keep fighting all this stuff that's down here. We don't got to keep fighting the enemy that's down here. We don't got to keep going through that battle that's on the inside. My body, I don't got to fight my body anymore. 
I don't got to believe for things anymore because I, I'm seeing. I see it. I don't have to believe for salvation. I see it. I don't have to believe that heaven is real. I see it. Hmm. That's going to be good. We're, we, we don't get sad about going to heaven. That's not a chore. Even no, one, no one would ever show up there and says, well, I really appreciate coming here to heaven, but do you think I could go to the other place? I don't think anybody's going to do that because we're glad. We, we, want to go, we want to do that. The people that are unsettled on their deathbed are people who don't know where they're going or they think they're going into hell. They're unsettled. They're afraid. But us, you ever been in a room where a believer died? They're glad. They're, they're, they're at peace. It's a good thing. You got a person who's unsure. It's not so good. Now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. If you want to get a measure on your faith, get a measure on your joy and your peace. Unbelief has the same kind of association with fear that depression and depression. I think I messed that all up. Unbelief has the same kind of association with fear that depression and faith has with peace and joy. Fear and depression Fear and depression have an association with unbelief, what we're trying to say. Fear and depression have an association with unbelief. Faith has an association with peace and joy. So unbelief has the same kind of association with fear and depression that faith has with peace and joy. If you are in fear, if you are in depression, you are not in faith. Those are indicators. When you're driving your car, how many of you have gauges on your car? One of those gauges is the fuel gauge. How many will look at that every once in a while? It's a good idea to look at your fuel gauge every once in a while. It's not a good idea to be surprised. That now they got the, you know, the, on the dashboard, it lights up in yellow that you're getting low on, on fuel and stuff like that. Um, kind of a good thing. Uh, they, they still have these things out there. I really don't know why it's there. How many have an amp meter on your dashboard? Tell you how many amps are on your, going on. I have never seen that messed up. It is always pointed at the same thing for me. Always. Never, never seen it messed up. I don't know if that, I'm sure it can and it wouldn't be on there unless there was a reason. I just don't know what it is. Well, I'm ignorant of that. I don't, I've never seen it go high. I've never seen it go low. Always stayed the same. Temperature gauge. How many got a temperature gauge on your, your car? Now in the wintertime, you start up that car this morning and where's that temperature gauge? All the way down at the bottom. What are you looking for? I want to see that temperature gauge go up. We want to see that get to the, more to the middle. But um, you don't want that temperature gauge to go beyond the middle. That's bad. And so if you're watching the temperature gauge and it starts to go a little higher, oh, we got a problem. And you need to do, keep an eye on that. You want to make sure that in your car, your temperature gauge stays the good place and that your fuel gauge is in a good place. There's a lot of other things that are going on, but these are the things they want you to, to watch out for. There's a lot of other things that go on with your faith, but these are some things the Word of God tells us watch out for. Watch your joy. Watch your peace. The woman with the issue of blood, was she at peace with what she was going to do? Oh, yeah, she was at peace. Blind Bartimaeus, was he at peace? He's throwing away his blind man's coat. Is he at peace? Oh, yeah, he's at peace. He's got no problem with this. He's doing all right. Are they joyful? They're glad. I, all I got to do is touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to be whole. All I got to do is get an audience with Jesus. He'll heal me. I, I know it. I know it. Fear and depression. If you've got fear and depression going on, just think that as a gauge. That's the gauge that's telling you, hey, we got it up. We got the wrong things going on. The fuel gauge is low. If you got depression going on, your joy is low. Right? And that means your faith isn't going to be working all that, all that great. If you got fear going on, your peace is low. You got to get rid of the fear, move into the area of peace. Those are gauges that help you understand. Because if you're going to draw out from God, we draw out from God, we draw out counsel from God, or as the Word of God says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. If I understand, I can draw it out. If I understand how faith works, I can have faith work to, to draw out what I need it to, to get what I, I'm in need of. In John chapter 3, you're blank there. If I have peace, I am settled on the subject. Be settled on it. John chapter 3, verse 27. Jesus answered and said, A man can receive nothing. This is Jesus talking. A man 
can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You cannot receive a thing that God has not given you. You cannot receive a thing that God has not given you. One of the things they were always doing when they were down at Rainbow, they were confessing for things that God hadn't given them. Guys were confessing for certain girls. Girls were confessing for certain guys. People were confessing for this, confessing for... And there was nothing in there. The Word of God said was theirs. A man can receive nothing. I'm sorry, it's not Jesus talking. It's John talking. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You cannot receive a thing from God unless God has given it to you. So what you need to do is find out what has God given me and then go after it. Because just because God gave it to you doesn't mean the Christians are going after it. Remember we went over this this, this series, the uh, parable of the prodigal son? When the younger son came to the father and said, give to me my inheritance, what did he do? Did he give the young man his inheritance? Yes, he did, but he also gave it to the older son. He divided his inheritance and gave to each of them, the Word of God tells us. They both had their inheritance. The young one had his inheritance. The older one has his inheritance. They are both now in possession of their inheritance. The younger one went out and used it all up, came on back home and said, Father, I have sinned before God and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And the father would have none of it. He said, go get a robe, go get a ring, kill the fatted calf, let's have a party. My son who was dead is now alive. And so they do that. The older son comes in from the field. He sees the party. He asks what's going on. Your younger brother has come home. Your father has killed the fatted calf. He's having a party. And he doesn't come in the house because he is mad. How's his joy? His joy is kind of empty. How's his peace? He's not settled right now, is he? So he's not in faith at all. He's not. He's in a bad, bad spot right there. And so the father comes out to him. And what's the young man say? I've worked for you day and night. All the days of my life, I haven't gone off and done things. And you never killed for me a fatted calf. You never gave to me a robe. You never gave to me a ring for my finger. And what's the father say? Well, your time will come and eventually I'll give those things to you. Is that what he says? He says, no. He says, you can have those things anytime you want to. Everything that's in the house, whose is it? It's the, it's the older sons. Everything that's in the house is the older sons. And he's complaining he doesn't have it. You see, if the, if the father hadn't given it to him, it wouldn't be his. But what did the father do? He gave it to him. But just because he gave it to him, is he accessing it? God has given you, folks, an awful lot of stuff, and you are not accessing it. I am not accessing it. We are not doing the thing that we need to be doing. And we get ourselves into trouble. You know, I, I told you some stories. God whispers sometimes some things down on the inside of our spirit to help us out with some stuff. Sometimes we listen and we do good, and sometimes we messed up. This week I had a time I messed up. I was uh, in the shop, and I was uh, playing in some things. And my uh, the big thing we depend on is this uh, big uh, uh, dust dust collector out there sucks up all the dust off of the planer produces a whole lot of dust you need something really big to suck it off otherwise it produces these little chips on the uh, surface and doesn't look all that good so a few weeks ago i went to turn it on and it didn't turn on right away so i turned it off turned it back on and it came back on a couple other times the switch did that it came up on the inside of me your switch is going bad and i i, I well i can order another switch and I, I didn't do it. It started working fine after that. And we just replaced the switch. This is the second switch on this unit. I think I've had this unit 10, 12, something like that years. It's been a long time we've had this unit. Replaced the switch once. That was about a year, year and a half ago, something like that. So I'm thinking this switch should be fine. Should be no problem with the switch. It's got a brand new switch. The first one lasted at least 10 years or so. Got a year and a half, something like that on this one. So I was planning and I turned it off, emptied the, uh, the bucket and went to switch it back on, and it would not come back on. I turned it off, I turned it back on, I turned it off, I turned it back on, I turned it off, I turned it back on. It would not come back on. I took the switch apart, I cleaned it out, I put the switch back together, I turned it back on, it did not go back on. 
So I looked up on the website and got a hold of the company, and the company's website says that it closes at 4.45. It is 4.50 by the time I finished all that. I'm thinking, oh, I missed them. What am I going to do? I said, well, I'm just going to call anyway. So I called over there, and you know, you get one of those recorded messages. You know, you, what, what do you want? I want technical support. So I get the technical support, and it says our office hours are, and it begins to write, read them off from 7.30 in the morning until 5.15 p.m. I said, oh, well, that's different from what the website says. So I guess somebody's still around. So we waited around, and Joe answered the phone. Joe came on the phone. Joe was a nice guy. And Joe says, uh, all right, here's what you want to do. You want to take that switch. You want to take it on over here, and you just want to get all the sawdust out. I said, I did do that once, but I didn't blow it out. I'll try blowing it out a little bit more. And so I took the switch off and, um, and did that and put it back on, and Joe's still on the phone with me. And, he, and I said, Joe, it didn't work. It's, uh, it's, it's not going. He says, all right, here's what I want you to do. He says, I got another call that's coming in. I'm going to go take that call, and I want you to pull the wires off, and I want you to hotwire the switch. I want you to just bypass the switch, and I want you to hotwire the switch. So we said, all right, it'll take me a little while to do that. So I put the phone on speaker, set it down, hotwired the switch, put it on. He said, we're just trying to test the motor, see if the motor works. And so um, we hotwired the switch, plugged it back in, fired right up. So um, called, uh, got him back on the phone, and he says, all right, it, it's the switch. It's, uh, it's not that. He said, if you want, you can try and take it apart a little bit more and clean it a little bit more. I says, no, I'm probably just going to try and come on in and and get you another one. They're not too far away. They actually are, are uh, uh, close enough, I think about a half hour from the house. So I said, Joe, I'll just come on by tomorrow and get that. Uh, can you, uh, do you have any of those on, on hand? He says, oh, yeah, we have them. I said, I need two. I'm going to have one as a backup. I'm going to keep one. I don't have to go through this again. And so I pulled on in to the, to the place and got there. And uh, he said, if somebody will greet you when you come on out, you just tell them what you want. And you talk to me. And he said, I'm not going to be coming out there, but somebody else will be coming on out there. And so... Uh, we did all that, and I said, besides that, I says, there's two other parts on this thing that are kind of not working real well. I said, I need some more screws, and I need to replace this piece. Do you have those things? And the man went on in there, and they looked around, and they said, yeah, we can find those things for you. And uh, just very, very pleasant. They were very, very nice. And they found all those things for me, and they said, you know what? Uh, I just asked for a couple of screws. I asked for about you know, four or six screws. We were, just, we were replacing three of them. And they said, we gave you 12, and we didn't even charge you for them. They're just in the, in the bag there for you. And as I looked in the box, I saw that there were two switches. And I forgot to tell him I needed two switches. I wanted two. And said, oh, Joe remembered that I wanted two switches. That was so nice. Tell Joe, thank you for remaining, remind, remembering I wanted two switches. Now I have a backup switch. But, you know, it wouldn't have to go through any of that at all if I did what? <laughs> if I would have listened. When that little voice came up on the inside and said, order a switch, I could have called up, said, send me a switch. They would have sent it out in the mail. I wouldn't have to drive anywhere. And if it went bad, I'd pulled it off. I'd put a new one on, and I'm going. God cares about those kind of things in your life. Listen to him when he's beginning to talk to you. He will, he will tell you. That's why you've got to recognize that it's the voice of God. If you don't recognize it's the voice of God, you don't do the thing that needs to be done. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. When you are believing, you are filled with joy and peace. That's a gauge. If you see joy, if you see peace, you know my faith is doing good. I'm in a place of believing. I am believing. If your believing is getting shaken, your joy and your peace will be the gauges that will tell you. If you are flying a plane, you have an altimeter. That altimeter tells you how high off the ground you are. They tell, I don't fly planes. I know people who do. And they tell you, you can get um, disoriented sometimes when you're flying. I've heard some people that have flown the plane upside down. And the ground is telling them you are upside down. The instruments are telling them you are upside down, but they feel like they are upside right. And if they don't fix it, they don't stop going by what they feel like and going by what's going, going on, it isn't going isn't to help them. Don't go by what you feel like with your faith. Go by joy and peace. Unbelief has the same kind of association, we already said that, with fear and depression that faith has with peace. Now, in John 3, 27, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from God. What has God given you? Do you know? If you were to say right now, make a list of all the things God has given you, would you have more than three things? Could you know, would you know some of the things that God has given you? What you ought to do is make that list out and then ask yourself, how many of these things am I praying for now? If you are praying, asking God for the things that he has given you, is that faith? No. God's already given it to me. It's already mine. 
We don't have to ask God to give us the things he has already given us. Right? We go over to the, to the Old Testament. What is it that kept the Israelites out of the promised land? What is it that kept them out? I'll th- think back to the story. Was it the giants? No, it's not the giants. Was it God? Did God keep them out? No, it wasn't God. Was it their ability? No, it's not the giants, it's not God, and it's not their ability. How about their desire or need to get into the promised land? Did did they have a desire to go to the promised land? Yeah. You wouldn't be leaving Egypt, wandering through the wilderness if you didn't have a desire to get to the other place. Did they have a need? They had no country. You're not supposed to stay in the wilderness all the time. There's no food there. That's why it's the wilderness. So it's not a lack of desire or need. It's because of their unbelief. They had unbelief. They did not believe that what God said he was able to do. We were as grasshoppers in their sight. But God said he would, in, in Joshua and Caleb, they came on out and they says, no, 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 we are well able. We are well able. And they're ready to do what? Stone them. Exactly. They're ready to kill them. People who are not of faith hate people who are. <laughs> they don't want them talking faith to them in their face. They don't like all that. It's unbelief that kept them out. A lot of times we're wondering what's keeping me from the things that God's promised me. Because we have a thing that God has promised us and I'm looking for God to give me wisdom. I'm looking for God to give me revelation. God, help me to figure out why am I not receiving that healing? Why am I not receiving that financial breakthrough? Why is my business not doing the? Why is whatever it might be that we need, we're looking for that breakthrough on it. We're looking for that thing to come and it's not coming. And sometimes we think it's because of other people. Sometimes we think that God doesn't like us as much. Sometimes we think it's because our ability is below what it needs to be. Sometimes we think that God doesn't see our desire or need. But most often, we come back to the fact that it's our unbelief. Again, you can only receive what your faith has already, what, what faith has already been given to you. You can only receive with your faith what has already been given to you. We get revelation and wisdom. We need to draw off of it. Often, revelation and wisdom comes to us to tell us. God has given us wisdom and revelation. He's coming up. He's giving us counsel. He's giving us wisdom and revelation down on the inside. It comes up in our spirit. Where is it in our spirit? Deep within. We need to, with understanding, draw it out. We need to draw it out. If you were to get this picture, this we're going to give you a different picture later on. Remember, God talks to people in things they understand. God talked to them in the, in the area they understood, which is the well. We're going to give you an example that you can understand that they could not understand that's an even better example than a well. You'll see why this is in a, just a little bit. But often revelation and wisdom come to us to tell us, first off, what we have received. God will give us wisdom and revelation to tell us what we have received. Because we are not walking in all the things that we have received, are we? I'm not walking in all the things I've received. You're not walking in all the things you've received. We're, we're, we're sometimes we're thinking that we haven't received some of those things that we have received. And so we're asking God for it. We cannot ask God in faith for something that God has already given us. You can't do it. Because faith is based on the Word of God. You can't have the Word of God to tell you to have faith for it if the Word of God tells you you already have it. Right? So first off, what we have received. Secondly, what we can receive. Some things in the Word of God are potential. If you do this, then you can have, you can receive. I will do. Isn't that in the Word of God? If you will do this, I will do this. If this book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you will keep it in the midst of your heart all the days of your life. Is there a promise that comes with that? Then you will have success. Then your way will be prosperous. There's, there's if-thens. These are things that are potential. These are things that we can have. So I can know that if I walk in the things of God and I do what God says, I can have that. doesn't mean that I will, but it means that I can have that. Just like in your job. If you have a job, there are some things that you have with your job. You have a salary with your job. 
Some of you might have a parking place with your job. You have some benefits with your job. You might have a vacation package with your job. Those are things that you come with the job. There are some things that you can have. You can have a promotion. Is it guaranteed? Is a raise guaranteed? Not usually. These are things that you can have. If you do this, then these things can come. Third, what we will receive. There are some things that are ours, but they are future. How many of you all know we have a mansion? It's not ours yet, is it? It's ours. It's, I mean, it's, it's there, but it's not something that we have just yet. There are some things that are future. We look to Jesus coming for the second, not the second coming, but the, the rapture of the church. We look for that. That's something that we will receive. We will receive that trip up to heaven. Fourth, what is absent in our faith? Sometimes revelation will come and tell us what our faith is lacking. We looked at two things today that your faith can be lacking. The Word of God tells us about peace and joy, that a lot of people's faith is lacking in the area of peace and joy, and that's why it's not working. If you are in a plane and you don't have altitude, are you flying? No, you've got to have altitude. If you've got faith, you've got to have joy. You've got to have peace in order to get off the ground. What is absent in your faith? There may be other things beside that that, you, that the Spirit of God can talk to you about, help you out with, but you've got to press in. You've got to draw these things out. You've got to find out, Father God, I am missing something for what I'm trying to receive here. What is absent in my faith? What is absent in my belief? What is absent in the way that I'm going? Here's the last one. What is present or in the way? What is present in, the, in our way? There are some things that are in our way. There may be giants in our way. What are we going to do about those giants? God has a way for us to take care of those, those giants. There are some obstacles that can get in our way. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came to the Red Sea. What was in their way? The Red Sea, water. That's in the way. That's an obstacle. What does God say? Just hang on. We're going to take care of this. There are some obstacles that are in the way. God will tell us some things on what to do about it. What we have, what we can receive, what we will receive, what is absent in our faith, what is present in our way. These are things that revelation will come and will help us out with. We need to get that revelation. Instead, we just get mad with God. God, why isn't my faith working? Why haven't I received this? And we get mad with God. That means our peace and our joy meter is coming down. We're not settled on this thing the way that we should be. Now, wells are what people in the Bible had to relate to. But we have some better concepts that are out there that we can, we can relate to and actually do a better picture. Because if you look at the example of a well... You are doing all the work. And you're pulling that thing up. You got the rope, drop the thing down. You're pulling it on up. And it just show off, it just demonstrates for us the effort that is involved. But we have come to a place where we have learned some things in the, in the area of um, uh, just uh, the way the solar system works. I don't know if you saw this, but I saw the thing that uh, the sun changed, made a, made a change recently. Anybody see the news on that? It made a change, and it does this, I think, every 12 years. It switches its polarity. It switches, and they, had, they did this graph. You know, the green represented one, uh, one polarity, and purple, I think, represented the other, and they showed how it switched. It went from top to bottom, and the, the colors just switched, and they just said every 12 years it, it apparently does this, and I forget all the effects that it has or if it had any effects of, of, of things at all. But we've seen this, if a comet comes down into space, it's being drawn in by, by gravity. It's being pulled in by things. But beside that, there's also a magnetic field. If you take a compass and you hold it, which way is it going to point? It's going to point north because the magnet in it is set to point north. There's a magnet pull, magnetic pull in the north. There's also a magnetic pull in the south, but it's always set to pull or to point to the one in the north. So when you're holding the compass, you always know which way is north. You can, you can tell that. No matter where you are standing, that compass is going to point towards... The, it is drawn to it. This is a better example than the, than, the, uh, than the well is, and it's something that we can understand. I don't know that it's something that they understood, but it's something that we can certainly understand. We can get hold of this. If your faith is charged with joy and peace, it draws what God has, what God has given, what God has promised. It draws these things to you. If you reverse the polarity, 
And instead of faith with joy and peace, you have unbelief with fear and doubt. What happens to what you're believing for? It goes the other way. If you have worked much into tools, I don't know if this has any application outside of tools, but this is a great application of tool. You can get this little gizmo that will magnetize things. And if you take your screwdriver and you stick it in and pull it out, the screwdriver that was not magnetized is now magnetized. And a, a magnetized screwdriver can be a real help. It can also be a pain in the neck. Have you ever worked with a magnetized screwdriver? If you have a magnetized screwdriver, if you put that screw on the head of the magnetized screwdriver, it will hold the screw. You don't have to hold it. You ever try to hold one of those little tiny screws and you can't quite hold it and get it into the space? You get a magnetized screwdriver and you can um, have the screwdriver hold it itself and you can go right there where you need to go. And you don't need anything else to, to do that. And you can, you can do that. But there are times when that magnetic pull of that screwdriver is a pain in the neck and it's throwing off what you want to try and do. So you know what you do? You stick it back in the other way and it unmagnetizes what was once magnetized. And now I won't pull anything in. And you go back to the regular type of screwdriver that you had. And it's quick. They don't take long at all. You can magnetize it, demagnetize it. Bing. You don't, you don't have to hold it in there for five minutes, ten minutes, nothing. You put it in there, you pull it out. It's magnetized. Understand your faith can go from being magnetically pulling the blessings of God to repelling them just as quick. Go back to a couple of the stories that we just looked at. The man who was lowered down into the room. The power of God was present to heal. Why? Because people were there with faith. That's why the power of God shows up. Because people were there with faith. That's why they brought the man to the meeting to begin with. Because they had faith that Jesus was going to do something for them. So much faith that they took the tiles off the ceiling to lower them down. So they lower them down. There's faith present. When Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, what happens to the polarity of that meeting? It reverses. <laughs> and what was drawing the presence of God to heal now repelled it. When Jesus goes into a room, remember he went with Jarius, he gets to the house and they got all these people, the paid mourners, they're all around. What's he do with them? Puts them out. They're not drawing in the power of God. They're repelling it. So he gets them out. And he brings into the room the people that are in faith because they're the ones that are pulling it in when moses is before god he is pulling in the counsel of god he is pulling in the wisdom of god he is pulling in faith for god when the people of israel were on moses's side they were all pulling in the things of god and they did great things but what happened to the people of israel many times they would get upset something to get in there uh, they get a what they say a feather up their butt so to speak <laughs> and that uh, they instantly went against the things that god was saying and God repelled them. God sent plagues to them. Moses, stand aside. I'm going to wipe these people out. What? Their polarity changed. They were drawing it in. We're going to go back to sci-fi movies for just a minute. Have, is there a science fiction movie out there that does not mess with the concept of having a tractor beam? Tractor beams are great. You know, if you see something out in space and you want it, you know what you do? You put a tractor beam on it. Captain will say... Get the tractor beam on that. Bring that in. And they, they, all they got to do is point the little beam, sci-fi, point the little beam at the object and they, uh, whatever the object is, doesn't matter if it's metal, plastic, wood, it don't matter. Whatever it is, that tractor beam grabs hold of it and pulls it in. Again, it's science fiction. It doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason. It just works. <laughs> but you have a tractor beam. That'd be great. How many of y'all know the space station would love to have a tractor beam? They, they lose something out there. They got to go out there and get it. But you have a tractor beam, you just put the tractor beam on it. Well, this is kind of what faith is. Faith is a tractor beam that you point it at the thing that you need and it pulls it in. Now, here's the problem. The tractor beam is not a transporter. When you transport someone in the science thing, you know, beam me aboard, Scotty, that sort of thing. When you get that, that you, you go there instantly. But a tractor beam takes a little bit of time. You've got to cover the distance. There are Christians out there. Our faith is charged right and we are believing God. We are standing in faith and we are bringing that thing to us. 
And the counsel of God is coming up on the inside of us. We're drawing off of that counsel. We are filled with joy. We're filled with peace. And then all of a sudden we think, how come I keep waiting for this thing? I've been waiting for this thing too long. And we get upset and we want to bail out. But don't bail out. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says this, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Too often, we are imitating people who got frustrated. Not people who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Everybody's got an Aunt Betsy or Uncle Lou or Uncle whatever who's out there and they're believing God and then all of a sudden they don't, aren't believing God. Well, I believed God for that for a while and I quit because it wasn't working for me. It wasn't happening. We all know somebody like that. And whenever you're believing God for someone like that, friends, relatives who have this in them just seem to be drawn to you. And they're all to tell you the stories. Don't imitate them. Imitate the people who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And you got some people who waited a long time. How long did Abraham wait for his? 24 years, 25 years till, the, till she gave birth. 24 years till she was pregnant, 25 years till she gave birth. 25 years. That's a long time. How long did, jo- uh, did uh, Joseph wait for his promise to be fulfilled? Something like 12, 14 years, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Um, he waited for that to happen. There are people who waited. They waited patiently. And they received the thing that they, that they were looking for. We need to imitate them is what the Word of God says. Now, we receive according to our ability to draw out. We receive according to our ability to draw it out. That's how you're going to receive. How can you draw it out? If you're going to go up to the well, the example in the Scripture, how much water are you going to pull out? It's according to the bucket that you use and your ability to pull up that bucket. If you don't have the ability to pull up a 10-gallon bucket, that's about 100 pounds, then you better get a five-gallon bucket. You're going to pull it up according to your ability. If you have the ability to pull up a 10-gallon bucket, then you don't have to go down there and pull up as many buckets. We receive according to our ability to draw it out. So increase your ability to draw it out. Don't draw from a source because it's easy. If you go to a well, like in the the example here, and it's a deep water well, and you've got to lower that bucket... The deeper the water in the well, the purer the water is, is what I'm told for wells. But if you saw that there was a deep water well, it went down 200 feet, you didn't want to go down 200 feet and pull that water one up, and you saw a muddy puddle right next to the well, and you decided, I'm going to use the muddy puddle. Is that good? (laughs) No, but it's easier. Don't draw from a source because it's easy. Draw from the source that God has given you. Go after the source that has what you need. Go after the source that has what you need. It's a whole lot easier to get counsel from friends and relatives, but the counsel from God is deep within you. And a man of understanding will draw it out. Don't go after the easy counsel. Go after the counsel of God. Again, some other stories that we looked at. The uh, Solomon's son came to the older counselors who counseled his father and he didn't like what they had to say. So he went to who? His buddies, the easier ones. And what did he get? Good counsel? No, he got bad counsel. And he followed it and he went in a bad direction. Go after the source that God has. Go after the source that has what you need. Don't go after the easy source. There are plenty of easy sources. There are plenty of mud puddles you can get water from. But you're going to get what you, what you got. You're going to get muddy water. You're going to get dirty water. The pure stuff is down inside. A man of understanding will draw it out. Wisdom is resident on the inside of you. God has put wisdom. He's put revelation. He has put counsel on the inside. It's down in your spirit. And you, when you tap into understanding, can draw out the wisdom that God has put for you. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Are you a person of understanding or are you a person for the easy fix? Are you a person who's willing to draw out out of deep places 
Or do you just want the shallow stuff? The wisdom that God has given is available to us. Faith, we can, we can follow the gauges. Faith has gauges. Where is your faith? Simply look at your peace. Look at your joy. There are other gauges as well. But those are two that we can find real easy in the Word of God. There are other ones as well. The Holy Spirit will help you find them. Glory to God. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. That you have given us wisdom. You have given us counsel. You have put it in the heart of man. And it is like deep water. But Father, we are people of understanding. And we can and we will draw it out. We will charge our faith with joy and peace. We will be in believing. And when we do that, we carry a certain charge that draws the things of God to us. When we leave that, the charge changes and we draw other things to us. But Father, you want us to draw those good things, those things that we need. So many examples in Scripture. They are the ones that we are to follow. Through faith and patience, they inherited the promises. And they're the ones that we want to follow. We thank you for it, Father. We give you the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.